Um, <laughs> it is good to be back with you at Calvary today. Uh, I didn't tell the earlier group, I think I scared Ken Connell. He didn't know who I was because I have such a long haircut. Um, but in case you're wondering, too, I'm going to tie two things together. You're going to say, oh, that was slick. <laughs> slick. Uh, that was slick, too. Sorry. 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 That was not intentional. Uh, but we are, we are, Carla, my wife, and I are celebrating being grandparents. If you're a grandparent in the room, raise your hand. Grandparent. Yes, I'm part of the club now. Yeah. Right. But we're at the hospital uh, with Noah, our little grandson. He's two weeks, will be three weeks old this Tuesday. Uh, his mom and, and he and dad are doing fine. But we're at the hospital. They had taken a picture, son, our son-in-law had taken a picture of, of me holding Noah, Carlos in beside me. And I was looking at the picture the next day and gotten this angle. And uh, still had like an eighth of an inch of hair at that point. And... Um, I saw my head, and I didn't want to say anything, so I asked Carla, I said, Carla, look at my head. What do you see on my head? And the way I was balding on this side, the hair right here, <laughs> I said, what do you see? She said, that looks like a horn. <laughs> I was balding, and this side on a horn. This side is more of a stump. This side was a horn. I mean, sharp. <laughs> and I said, I am not walking around, especially not preaching, with a horn on my head. So, <clears throat> so I shaved this week just for you all, Okay. Anyway, so actually last week, so I've had this two weeks now in a row, so yeah, but anyway, uh, but yes, we are grandparents. I do have my tablet with pictures down front. If you'd like to see that afterwards, be glad to share, and um, some of you have already seen that, but uh, very excited and thrilled to be back with you today also. Bringing greetings from our family of churches called Metrolina Baptist Association. Had our annual meeting this past Thursday night, and actually as we were getting ready for the meeting, we were doing fresh tallies of everything. And I realized I've been saying for the last few years we were 140. I knew we were a little more than that, but I've just been saying 140 churches and church plants. Uh, actually, effective this week, we're 151 churches and church plants. Um, so um, growing, and we're thankful for that. So God's been providing, and uh, glad that you're part of our family of churches. Um, our theme this year as an association is, Who is My Neighbor? Some of you may have, I gave my, oh, here's mine. They've gotten this in the back as you're coming in. Um, this has been our graphic this year. But uh, we're going to focus on that theme as we look together at uh, Luke chapter 10 in just a few minutes. But as we talk about the theme, though, we are always, as our, our mission statement as an association, is that we exist uh, to encourage and equip our family of churches to fulfill the Great Commission. If we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, we have to be about making disciples. We have to be about doing what Jesus called us to do to reach others for Christ. Uh, so one of the primary ways we need to do that is by realizing our responsibility for the mission field around us that includes a whole lot of neighbors that we need to be caring for. We need to be asking ourselves that theme question you see on that, that Bible marker uh, regularly. Who is my neighbor? And follow-up question, what do, I need to, what do I need to do about that? How do I need to be a neighbor to the person around me that needs, needs care, needs prayer, needs, needs some, someone to share Christ's love and Jesus' message with them? So that said, we're going to look together at Luke chapter 10, which is where that question comes from today. Because if we're going to obey and fulfill the great commission of Jesus, we need to know who our neighbors are. So, who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Who are our neighbors? Jesus answers that question several different ways for us today. 
as we look at the parable of the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10. So follow along with me if you would as we turn to Luke's Gospel chapter 10 starting in verse 25. And I'll be reading from starting there in verse 25 where the scripture says this. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He, Jesus, said to him, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, quoting the great commandment, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus told him the parable of the good Samaritan, starting in verse 30, where he said, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, temple worker, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Mark that if you haven't already marked it in your Bibles. He had compassion. Key to being a neighbor. Let's move on. We'll see what it says the rest here. Verse 34. He, the Samaritan, went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, Jesus asked, do you think, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Lord, speak to us through your word today. Help us to clearly hear, Lord, what the Spirit is saying to your church today. So that we might be your representatives, your messengers, your, your neighbors, Lord, to those around us who need to know, who need hope, who need encouragement especially the Lord who need to know the reason for the hope that we have in you, Lord Jesus. Remind us of this great truth today, Lord, so that we might be different when we leave. In Jesus' name, amen. Who is my neighbor? Borrowing the lawyer's question. We're going to try to answer that question and discover ways we can find our neighbors by walking through this parable from Jesus in Luke chapter 10. So, if you're taking notes, point number one. Here we go. My neighbor is first someone who appears on my path. My neighbor is someone who appears on my path. Let me just editorial note here. I'm going to stop for a second. I'm trying to speak a little more slowly because I've been reminded lately that I talk fast. Okay? So, if I'm talking too fast for you, I need you to put your hand up and just go... Okay, 
I was in one of our churches not long ago preaching. I've been there preaching several times and helped do a funeral. <laughs> the funeral wasn't funny, but I'm going to say it's funny. Um, but I was doing the funeral, and after the funeral, one of the ladies came up and said, well, Bob, it was thanks for leading the funeral. I said, after you did the funeral today, I realized that you can talk more slowly. I was trying to be a little more deliberate in the funeral. So when I'm at a funeral, I'm just going to try to talk so you can understand me instead of, finally, <laughs> instead of flying through a sentence, okay? Sorry. So my neighbor is someone who appears on my path. What does that mean? Let's look at it this way. <clears throat> When we first started this theme this year and posted it on Facebook, put this graphic up on Facebook and had it on, online, as soon as I posted it, someone answered the question for me and said, everyone, everyone's my neighbor. How many of you would say that if you ask, okay, who is my neighbor? How many of you would you say, everybody, right, go ahead raise your hand. That's fair. I do the same thing. It's all right. It's not, it's not a trick question. You're good. Um, We'd say everybody's our neighbor because we want to be nice people, especially those of us from the South, and we want to be everybody's neighbor. Bless our hearts. I mean, that's just that's what we do, okay? That's okay. The problem is, when's the last time you talk to everybody? Anybody? How many of you talked to everybody yesterday? Now, some of you may have tried to talk to everybody, but, <laughs> but my guess is you'd have a hard time talking to everybody the size of a crowd in this room, not much, not not even to speak of the million people that live in Mecklenburg County. It's a lot of people just here. So we say we're neighbors with everybody, but really we can't be neighbors to everyone. We can care. We can give. And, and please, as we're coming up on the Lottie Christmas offering time, please give to support international missions to the ends of the earth. We want to do that, need to do that. But you're not necessarily a neighbor for somebody in Nepal or Morocco or, or Venezuela. Could be, but the way Jesus, we're dealing with the text here, the way Jesus tells his story, he's answering the man's question, who's my neighbor? And he says, first of all, this Samaritan found a guy laying in the road in his path. That's who your neighbor is, someone who's in your path, on your path. I really believe that simply means we need to simplify our Christian living. Instead of being overwhelmed by problems we can't solve, we need to pay attention to those people and those opportunities God places on our paths. This week, let's be more specific, today. I mean, if you even think about it, we don't know what this week's going to hold. We don't know how, I mean, one of our pastors, some of y'all may know, be praying for Sammy Pierce, who's one of our pastors up at Hopewell Church in Davidson. Sammy and I were in a meeting last week, and this Thursday had a significant stroke. He's doing okay now in the hospital, but he didn't know last Sunday as he was preaching that Thursday morning, about 6 o'clock, he was going to have a stroke. That's what happened then. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But today, we know the Lord's blessed us with a day. We're walking through this day. When tomorrow comes, we'll do the same thing. But as we walk through the days God gives us, who's God putting in our paths we can be a neighbor to? Who are the people God's allowing us the privilege of coming into contact with on a regular basis? In case you're wondering, those people are your neighbors. It's that simple. Now, my guess is, I know when the first time I thought about this, I started thinking about people I see on a virtually daily basis, and I'd really never stop to think they're my neighbors. 
the clerk at Food Lion. I see almost every day. He's one of my neighbors. What am I doing about that? You know? I mean, if you go to work in a particular place, you may not work next, next cubicle or next spot to somebody, but somebody you see on a regular basis at work or at school, if you interact with them in any way, if, you have any, if, if they're in your path, they're your neighbors. What are you doing about that? What are we doing about that as Christians? I mean, look, look at the parable from Jesus. In the parable, he tells about the man in need on the road. There he is. He's in the path. Three different people come by him. We'll see in a minute. One of them did something about it. One of them acted like a neighbor to the man who was their neighbor. So that's our assignment this week. It's your assignment today. Again, I keep rushing ahead. Don't take the whole week. Take a day at a time. Today. Then tomorrow when it comes. Watch for those people God puts into your path. You know, I, I, can, I, can I really talk to you a second? I'm preaching, but let me step out here and just talk to you a second, okay? As I was working on this sermon, I've wrestled with it a bit because it can sound like we're just talking about, oh, yeah, let's just, let's just be nice to people. That's important, right? Be nice to people? You're supposed to say yes when I say nice. Right, yes. Nice to people. Amen corner, right? But it's more than that, folks. I mean, yeah, we need to be nice to people. We need to care for people. But remember the word we said underlined a little bit ago? The Samaritan had compassion for that man because of the depth of his need. Now, we're going to talk about that more in a few minutes, but let that settle in with you as we're talking about this this morning. We're talking about a whole lot more than either helping somebody up who fell down or giving somebody some groceries that need some or helping somebody out with a problem they may have today and may not have tomorrow. We're talking about a whole lot more deeper issues here than just any kind of physical need. And yes, the Samaritan had, saw a man with physical needs. But Jesus is aiming at a deeper need here. Okay? And people in your path every day this week are going to have similar needs. They may not be laying in the road bleeding and half dead, as the text says. But their spiritual need could be even deeper than that. So how about those people that are in our paths? Each day that comes, those are our neighbors. So first, your neighbor is someone on your path. Second, your neighbor is someone who needs help. Someone who needs help. You know, it's interesting. We talk about churches. You know, my work as with the association, I'm dealing with our family of churches on a daily basis. It's one thing to see a church that has a significant issue they need to deal with. Uh, back when I helped you all, and we worked together some back a few years ago before Pastor Jack came. You were in your pastor search process. That's a time when a church will usually recognize the fact that they need some help. But how about when a church really has some serious issues going on and no one's, it seems like no one has noticed the problem? Not a whole lot I can do in those kind of situations. Now, I can show up and maybe preach a sermon and point at something, but unless it gets somebody's attention, they're going to say, oh, we're fine. Thank you very much, Bob. Have a nice day. And we'll all go home and eat chicken and forget about it, you know? But how about when someone has a problem that they desperately need help for? I mean, look at the man in the road. He didn't just have a sprained ankle, according to the way this reads. 
What does it say? He fell among robbers who stripped him. Okay, so he's naked. Beat him and left, leaving him half dead. I've wrestled with that. What does half dead look like? Bad, I guess, right? But the man's hurting. Yeah, 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 I know. I laughed too when I thought about it. Half dead? Half alive? Half a uh, headache? <laughs> no, you know, no it's, it's bad. He's hurting, okay? The man had a problem, and everybody around him knew he had a problem. Make sense? I mean, if somebody, we don't want to really imagine that too much this morning, but if somebody was laying in the aisle right now, bleeding and naked, we'd probably all notice. What do you think? Some of y'all aren't sure. Okay, I just looked at you and said, what did he just say? Yes, I said a man naked and bleeding in the aisle. Okay? But are there, we're not, we don't want that to happen. But if it did, the man would know he had a problem and we would too. Right? He needs help. The man on the road desperately needed help. It's obvious he needed help. There are people around us every single day. Whether they recognize it or not, it's obvious to us. They need some help. So the question is, do we really want to get, it's not, the question isn't, do we want to get involved? The question is, is there someone I see who needs help and I'm able to provide it? If I am, then I have a responsibility there. That's something Carl and I really, my wife and I really wrestle with over recent years. Actually, I wrestle with it. She hasn't wrestled with it that much. She knows what she wants to do. Um, hello. That's the way that's been. So I remember we'd, we'd come up to an intersection and somebody would be standing there with a sign that said either I'm hungry or I'm homeless or I'm a vet and need help or whatever. You've seen those signs. I'd gotten really good at just ignoring those signs. I'm not bragging on that. It's just what I'd done. Because I had places to go and people to meet. Sound like this parable today? So my lovely bride decided we're going to start doing something about people we saw like that. But see, we, we've learned, as we learn in that kind of ministry, you don't give money to people in times like that. I said, please don't give money to people in times like that. I see people handing money out windows, and I say, don't do it. You're enabling an addiction very often when you do that, okay? But if they've got a need and their son says they're hungry, we've got quart Ziploc bags in our car that has a pack of Lance crackers, the basic nutrition needed by all people, right? A small bottle of water like that, a little pack of Kleenex. Carl, it's a girly kind of thing, okay? It's, but it's perfect. That, uh, sometimes... Um, uh, some mints or something like that, a track, a gospel track, uh, and a couple other small, small items that'll fit in that quart bag. We'll just hand it out the window and say, God bless you. Very often, by the time you're doing that, the lights change, it's time to roll. But that's a way to not ignore the people that come across your path that have a need. They need help, so we help provide some help. Some of our churches have done that and have sent people out to minister to people in situations like that. Sometimes they're open to it, sometimes they're not. That's not our business. Our business is to help meet the need because they need help. And just along that, as, the, as we were singing the song a while ago, remember that line from the song we just sang? There ain't nothing going to steal my joy. Amen. But 
If we've got that joy, we better be giving some of it away. We give that to people who need help, who need encouragement. Now, we're talking about needs. Yeah, all kinds of physical needs people have. But what's the greatest need any of us will ever have? It's the need of a relationship with Jesus. Caring for someone's needs physically will very often point us toward, if we're doing the right, doing the right way, toward helping meet the spiritual need of that person we're caring for. How many neighbors do we know who need him? How many people that come across our path that are we completely aware, very aware, need to have a relationship with Jesus? So you know somebody in need today? You know them for a reason. Don't neglect that reason so that you can be a neighbor to them. Third, my neighbor is someone who has been passed by. Let's go back over it. Neighbor, someone in my path, someone who needs help. Third, someone who needs, who has been passed by. Now, you know the story, Jesus' parable. The priest and the temple worker, priest and the Levite, come by and see the man in need, naked, bleeding, and they walk on by. I remember, I told the earlier service, I remember growing up in Sunday school, I don't know whether they just, they did it on purpose. I guess they did. But my Sunday school teachers growing up would, would really just, <laughs> they would intentionally rile up the children against that priest and temple worker. Did you see what that priest did? I can hear it now. Kids say, yeah. I mean, we're ready to tackle a priest if we see one. I mean, you know. But Jesus is talking to us here. Yeah, get riled up and then realize we're the ones that walk past people with needs all the time. That's Jesus' point. And of all things, he talks about a priest and a temple worker, the most elevated people in Jewish society. Okay? So it's not like these are, these are bums that are walking by the guy that's hurt. This is the priest and the temple worker. They walk past him. Yeah. There are all kinds of people around us that have been passed by. You ever noticed or seen stories? There was one on TV not long ago, a news story about a guy, I think it was in New York City, a man that was injured lying on the sidewalk. There's a picture. All you had to see was the picture. Lying on the sidewalk. He wasn't naked and bleeding, but he he was obviously not doing well, okay? He's laying on the sidewalk outside a restaurant that had outdoor dining, and on the other side of this little divider where people are eating is this man laying in the street, or edge of the street. It was, it was this perfect picture of this parable. Several families, couples, sitting up there having a nice lunch. And this guy is laying right beside them, full view, hurting. There are all kinds of people around us like that who have been passed by. question today is, is there someone in your life who's been passed by Someone who has a need, and you seem to be running into them on a regular basis. Do I need to say anything else? We're responsible, folks. It's our responsibility as Christians to care for those in need around us. That's the point Jesus is making here. So what are we doing to care for those who've been passed by? Fourth way we identify a neighbor. My neighbor is number four, someone of a different race or religion. 
a different race or religion. Now, Jesus always knew how to tell a story to get the listener's attention. The man who was attacked, hurt on the road, was most likely a Jew going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Okay? The man who was attacked and hurt was a Jew. The man who came by and didn't ignore him but helped him was one of those despised Samaritans. In case you're not familiar with that part of Bible history, for the Jews, the Samaritans were half-breeds and idol worshipers. A Jew would not be in the same house as a Samaritan. Okay? I didn't mean, they wouldn't talk to them. They wouldn't communicate with them. They wouldn't do anything with them. And here on the road, the injured Jew is helped by the despised Samaritan. So in this case, the look down on man was the one who was a neighbor of the one who was, ha- who was of a different race. And with everything going on in our culture today, and most recently the shooting at the synagogue in Pittsburgh yesterday, there's all kinds of tension between races, between religions. So what if, Christian, your neighbor is of a different race? What if your neighbor is of a different religion? What if your neighbor's Muslim? How's that going to impact the way we are neighborly toward those around us? Here, Jesus didn't see race. Jesus saw a neighbor who had a need that could be met. That's what he saw. Jesus, God incarnate, came to a needy world who didn't believe in him. And yet he came. He cared. He gave. He shed his blood to pay the price for our sins. And then rose a new life so that we can live that kind of new life. It's our mission to reach neighbors who may be different, but who need to know about that Jesus that we know about. Care about that Jesus that we care about. Race or religion make no difference. There are only two kinds of people on earth anyway. Those who know Jesus and those who don't. So if we're those who know Jesus, and I trust we are, what are we doing about those who don't know Jesus? Those neighbors who need somebody to care for them. Fifth, my neighbor is someone who might require me to take a risk. A risk. Something out of the ordinary or even uncomfortable. The road to Jericho was and still is a dangerous highway. Still dangerous to this day. Interesting thing is, if I stopped and asked you to tell me about some roads in our area that are dangerous, you could name off some, couldn't you? Do we avoid those roads? Well, we usually drive on them. We may not stop and get out and take a walk on them, especially not at midnight. But we drive on them. Does that excuse us from caring if a highway is dangerous? I don't think so. The truth is, is walking out the door in the morning is a risk. Our problem is we just, and I'll make it personal, my problem is our problem, all of us. We like comfort, don't we? Hello. <laughs> I've got, I have certain things I like to do on a Sunday afternoon, okay? They usually include my recliner 
and a little pill I have in my recliner. Okay? I've got a pastor friend. I'm going to blame it on him. He lives up in, he's in Ash County. He works with the, with the Association Action in Ash County. I won't give you his name, though. But he says, on Sunday afternoons, if anybody calls his house, he says, I'm sorry, I can't, to do something, help him, help him with something. He says, I'm sorry, I can't come. I'm, I'm uh, putting a rear end in our lazy boy. <laughs> you can use that. It's a good one, okay? But that's the comfort zone. That's being comfortable. That's, that's one of my favorite places to be on a Sunday afternoon, right? But what if somebody has an issue that I could help with on a Sunday afternoon? Am I going to say no because I don't want to take a risk or I don't want to leave my comfort zone? I would hope not. God expects us to be his representatives, his neighbors, to those around us who need someone to take a risk and to care in Jesus' name. Even if it just means getting out of our lazy boys to go help them do something. Are there neighborhoods all around us that have neighbors in them just like that that need, need somebody to take a risk for them? We were privileged at the Great Commission Center this week. After our annual meeting on Thursday night, um, uh, our ministry coordinator, Todd, serves with us there, was going to have to get up the next morning early because about 60 police officers are going to show up to set up for a fall festival in our gym at the center for about 170 kids from a nearby elementary school. Um, now, it was a lot of extra work, yes, but seeing the videos of those kids who don't have a whole lot being cared for and loved on and blessed on Friday morning was good to see. But there are folks around us like that all over the place, friends. Mm, the needs are so great. Needs are so great right here. So what are we doing to care for those neighbors in need? All right. Then last, my neighbor is someone I can help. Someone I can help. Okay, that's the whole point of being a neighbor, isn't it? Finding someone I can help out. Someone I can care for and take a risk for in Jesus' name. Someone, someone else, everyone else may have ignored, but I can serve. Someone who may be of a different race or religion but who still needs care, still needs hope, still needs love, still needs compassion, still needs Jesus. Maybe someone with whom others have, have refused to help, but I can be a help to, a neighbor to, because it's the right thing to do. Somebody I can share my story with and share Jesus' story with. Is someone Jesus died for. My neighbor. So at the end of the story, Jesus didn't ask who was a neighbor like the lawyer did at first. He asked instead, look what he says, verse 36. Which of these three, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? So the question isn't so much who is my neighbor, it's to whom am I to be a neighbor? So that brings us down just to the, the core of what we're talking about today. Being a neighbor, especially as a Christian, being a neighbor is more about who you are to others than who they are to us. 
Remember, my parents really demonstrated this well. There'd be people around us with needs, people around us with situations, and I could think, as a, even as a child, as a teenager, I could think of, well, why do, why do we have to do that? Why do we have to do this? And my dad's responsible because they're a neighbor and they have a need we can help take care of. Even if it's frustrating, even if it's a challenge, even if it, it takes a risk, or even if it just makes me uncomfortable for a few minutes. Being a neighbor is more about who we are to others than who they are to us. So to whom do we need to be neighbors today? Every day we need to be praying, asking God to show us that day who my neighbors are, who are our neighbors. Who do I need to pray for and care for and share Jesus with? There are hundreds of thousands of people. And that's not an exaggeration. There are actually probably between seven and 800,000 people in Mecklenburg County right now who don't have any meaningful connection with the church. That means there are at least that many neighbors that we could have connections with. So what are we doing about that? Hundreds of thousands of people who need a neighbor who will point them toward Jesus. Sounds like a mission field to me. Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see. Help us to recognize, Lord, those people we need to be neighbors to. So that your love can be shared. And Jesus can be known where we live, where we work, where we serve. Or the needs around us are so great. But thank you that the needs are not overwhelming to you. So don't let them overwhelm us. Just help us to stay focused on you and on those you would have us to care for. In Jesus' name. If you need to make any decision today, you need to come and just pray for those that God's brought to your mind. I'm sure he has someone you've thought of today that you need to be a neighbor to. Pray for them. Pray for your response to them. And if you don't know this Jesus we've been talking about, let's talk about that and pray about that together. There's no better time than today. So let's stand as we sing.
shared this in the early service. I want to share this with you again uh, today. Throughout his message, uh, I was just really challenged as an individual. Um, coming off of yesterday, the trunk retreat, I saw a lot of new people come into my path. People who had never been to Calvary Baptist Church before came out. They brought their families. Um, they entered into my path, and so they became a neighbor. With the, the church being built and hopefully us being you know, in the new facility within the next year, we're going to bring about a lot of, of new faces. A lot of people are going to be entering into our path. How will we as individuals, how as we as a church, be a neighbor to them? What will we do? Don't walk out of here today uh, unchanged. Make a decision today that you're going to do something for someone in need. Do something with the people that walk through our path. This affects every single person as an individual. So you can do something. You can change because you came today. Our mission statement here at Calvary Baptist Church is to love God, to love others, and to spread the word. And so that's what we've been challenged to do. We've been challenged to be that neighbor. And so I do encourage you to do something about that today. Remember to set your clocks back for next Sunday. It is the first day of, um, I don't know why I just fetched on the word. What is the word? What is next Sunday? Daylight savings. There it is. I said, I was like, change your your clock. What is it called? First day of daylight savings. So please uh, set your clocks back. There's no services this Wednesday, but go out, be a neighbor to someone. Have a great Sunday. Amen.